0: Welcome to the Mama Doc Podcast. I am Dr. Molly Bird, and today we're gonna be talking about kids and food and how to get them to eat healthier and just even how to have those conversations around food with your kids, and that's so huge because their relationship with food will shape their life in such an important way. So let's get talking about this. First off, one of the things I know is very important To parenting is marketing so how we're marketing something to our kids is huge and so in line of that thought I am going to market to you how important eating is and how we you know raise our children with food how important that is when we pick right because we are picking in you know how you raise your kids and the culture that you're you're surrounding them with you're going to need to choose, right? Because you can't be everything. You can't be the um art is everything mom and the outdoors is the coolest thing in the world mom and the um all sports mom and the I don't know, let's see what else we got out there. All these different kinds of moms you see on instagram that are great at basically everything we cannot do that that's not doable it's not it's not healthy so i am going to market you this concept that that being more in, you know making food more important and just like focusing on it at least for a little bit is going to make such a difference in your kids lives and the reason why I am talking about that is because if we look at the impact that food has on adults, we look at like look at just look at heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, which are the three things that um usually people in the United States are passing from. And when I say passing from, we're not like one of the causes of death in the United States is old age. But we're not really getting there. So you know that is a cause of death, but it is not what we are dying from. We're dying early, and we're dying from other conditions. So it may not sound like a very positive thing, but let's think about it in this way. The relationship that we give our children with food is one of the three things, how we eat, how we move, how we think, in the environment of health that we can educate our kids on. And that environment is what shapes the health of that young person as they get older. So we can go and talk about genetics for hours. And actually, I have planned to do that because it's such an important conversation. But let me just skip ahead and give you the cliff notes. Those conditions are not genetic. There may be a genetic link to those things, but they are not caused by genetics. And I can... Again, we'll talk about that and the proof behind that, but truly they're an environmental condition. Even look at breast cancer, right? So we're not going to talk about that all day, but breast cancer has a 40% chance if you have the breast cancer gene, unquote, right? 40% chance, which is a very high chance still, but 60% of women who have that gene never get breast cancer. How is that? Because the environment that they are living in for whatever reason, if it be how they eat, how they move, their mental health, uh, maybe they didn't, you know, whatever, did not cause them to adapt in a way that was healthy environment for cancer or was it was it was an environment that caused their body to respond in a way or adapt in a way that caused that cancer. So it is not genetic. It is environmental. Genetic conditions are Down syndrome, cystic fibrosis, things you have from the day you're born to the day you die. Familial conditions are everything else. And some have a genetic link. So it's really important that we are really setting our kids up for success in this. And there's so many aspects, not just from like what foods that they enjoy because we've given them a variety to try, but also how have we modeled how we eat? And then also how have we communicated about certain foods so that we don't develop a complex, how do we not screw them up? (laughs) Um, We probably heard, hey, let's not make our kids finish what's on their plate because then they're going to think, I got to always do that. And that's a great way to overeat, right? That's a basic one. And that's one we can easily implement. Let's not make our kids finish the food on their plate. How do we get away from that though, but also not waste food? Um, A quick example for that one, for example, is... My husband and I, like we do not waste food in our house. We probably, if I 'm trying to estimate here, waste three percent or less. and the average um, American family home I think is it's anywhere from thirty to forty percent, so it's pretty high. but I would estimate two to three percent. We compost everything else, and we probably accidentally throw away what's just in our fridge and was made and then got went bad before we could finish it because we eat a lot of um, raw stuff. And so, yeah, it does go bad on occasion. Um, so, yeah, so that's one way. One way we do that is we, we have the kids sit down, you know, they eat their meal. They usually um, serve themselves, which is helpful. If they're really little, you know, I help them do that. But they'll serve themselves, and then they're learning, you know, how much that their body can eat and how much they need and, you know, welcome to have more. So they're used to like, oh, I ate this much. I feel hungry still. I'm going to eat more or I don't feel hungry. I'm not going to eat what's on my plate. And then my husband and I kind of naturally don't put as much on our plate as we need. And then we'll just finish up what they have left. Um, or sometimes we don't. And we just say, Hey, when, you know, if you're hungry again, just finish what's on your plate and then then we'll, you can go to something else. So we just have them eventually finish their lunch. And it's kind of like an easy way of snacking. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, you can finish your sandwich after lunch later. You don't need to eat it right now. That's totally fine. But I know that they like it. And I know that that is nutritious for them. And so if they want to eat the next thing, if they want to have dinner per se, like, I would rather you finish your lunch first. So we we get away from you know wasting food that way. I want to dive into, however, going into just from the very start, um, how do you start out your kids in a really great way to get them to eat foods that are healthy for them? You know, my background, I'm doctor of chiropractic, and I have three boys. One's almost seven, and then we have a four-year-old, and then I'm an almost two-year-old, and I have been dubbed on the same method, with all three. And they are all really great eaters. And they, at least my first oldest ones, have gone through phases where food has been really challenging. I know my six-year-old, it was like the six-month period where it's just like nothing. He would eat nothing. It was so stressful. And yeah, so there are times, right? But we used baby-led weaning as a method to introduce solids to our boys and it was so amazing so I'm just gonna honestly like touch up on some things with but baby led weaning is not like really weaning it's where you're adding food into their diet and I would first I'll just give you the the definition first it's a method for introducing your baby to solids it it differs from conventional foods in two ways one instead of adding um, purees and then moving to a combination of purees and like whole or whole foods, you're just going right to the the bigger stuff. But it's me, it's like mushy stuff you can do and I always did smoothies with the mushy stuff. That way I was certain cuz like you know one of the things that they will talk about is like going to make sure you gotta get enough iron in them cuz you know where you're going to get your iron from um or like their minerals or a lot of other things. So or protein how do you get that in them so I loved using smoothies because who what baby didn't want a smoothie all of them i I mean they all love them honestly I'd be really surprised if yours did not um but I would add tons of spinach in there you know we throw a banana we'd throw some protein powder like a plant pea paste um I like the organic, like pea based um protein powder I do not use whey I do not use dairy if I can avoid it and I, yeah, so I throw that in there, so they're getting like the calcium from the from the leafy greens, the spinach, and they're getting iron from that, they're getting so much from the leafy greens, and I also also do, I love Costco, it's like frozen organic um, produce, so I do a bunch of their berries and stuff, and it tastes yummy, and I will recommend a tip of just throwing a, a juice of a lime or a lemon, I like lime, but just throw that in the smoothie, Oh, it's so good and it just really pumps up the the flavor. So and then I even add fat. I'll even I'll do coconut oil or coconut cream from a can. It's just like much fattier. And it adds that that it really keeps them from getting hungry um, quickly. But that's just like a tip of my smoothies that I love. But it was so great because no matter what, if they didn't love the thing I had cooked for them or what I had set out for them, they would eat the smoothie, and they would fill themselves up, and it was just great. And I knew that we're getting you know, what they needed. Um, it also fosters independence. So the progression is different, and they fosters independence. It gives the baby the reins. And I'm telling you, babies are born with the ability to know when they're finished, and when they're hungry. You do not need to teach them that. That is innate, so from the minute they're born, babies start sucking on things, they put their fingers in their mouth as long as there's no neurological you know deficits there they're ready to go, and within an hour they're going to be you know looking for a nipple or a bottle they 're ready to go, so you don't need to teach them that a good mother is not someone that has to teach them how or when they 're hungry They know, so you don't need to teach them that so um this way, you know, you're letting the the baby learn, or you know, t- tell you when they're done. I've even seen, and I have not done this, just because it was not introduced to me until more recently, and also it seems super messy. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, just the different types of parenting models, like Montessori, they had this cute little table that you put the kid on, you know, and have them sit down or something that you know, if, if they're toppling over, something more age appropriate. But they climb up to the table when they're hungry and you feed them and when they're ready to get down they're done and they can just go get down from the seat and kind of crawl away and um I've heard of these like you know play dates where because this is the method that these parents use and they're just all these little toddlers like standing you know coming up to this little table sitting down like okay we're ready for our snack now we're hungry it's so cute so I like that idea I just I have been using a little clip-on high chair that sits on the edge of my counter because it works better. And honestly, like, my toddler likes to just smear food everywhere. So I, for convenience sake, did not use that. But I think it's a really cool idea and maybe something that you want to try out. But the independence piece is really neat. You're teaching your baby from the beginning that they can trust themselves and their body and you're listening to them. And I think that's huge, right? They're learning, I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat. I am hungry, I'm going to eat. It's great. Um, Why do parents choose baby led weaning? It reinforces motor skills, hand-eye coordination, chewing muscles. It, It also, in my experience, talking to other mothers, and maybe this is... I'm not sure like how frequent this is, but like I feel like their gag reflexes are better because they're learning to take smaller bites to chew. My boys had teeth way early. Uh, my oldest had all his teeth by like nine months, basically. He had a whole set of chompers. So he was ready to just go go for it. And some babies don't. Like I know some who didn't get teeth way late, right? They're just kind of gnawing on stuff. And that's totally fine too. You just modify it based on what they're able to do. Um, it puts babies in charge of how much to eat. Like I said, you know, you don't, um, you don't have to worry about overfeeding your baby and actually you should never have to worry about that. They're going to tell you as long as you listen. And so you're taking advantage of that instinct. They're exploring, they're exploring new tastes and textures and the store-bought purees are going to be like very basic and they're not teaching them to kind of branch out. And while they're in this neurological phase of like, put everything in my mouth, why not use that time to teach them, go for this cool food, right? What's a beautiful time for that? I will say also though, do not, and I don't think I'm ever going to change this, do not feed anything to the baby until after six months. There's so many people out there that are like, oh yeah, four months, as soon as they start bring things to their mouth. Understand that is a neurological milestone, meaning that their nervous system and their muscles and their brain are all working together, learning and getting ready for this whole world because they experience things. I mean, imagine this, if you're, if you don't know the dimension of something and you're exploring something, what is the most sensitive part of your body? It's your mouth. So you can pick anything and you can put it by your mouth and you can feel the texture, you can taste it. It's the best way for your brain to explore something new. So that's what babies are doing. They're taking something to th- that's far away and bring it to their mouth and they're learning about it in this way. So just because they're able to grasp something and put it in their mouth does not mean that their stomach lining and their stomach cells are ready for a food to be introduced. So please do not, It is always, it happens all the time, so many pediatricians recommending this, please do not do that. Do not do that. Wait. And why is that important? And why am I like super intense about it? Because when babies are born, they have a natural thing in basically it's their, um, I can't talk about today, um, their, their gap junctions in their gut. So they have naturally leaky gut. What is that about? Basically imagine a row of cells and there's little connectors between them and that just kind of keeps them nice and tight. When they're babies, they're wide open. So they have these huge gaps between the cells. And why do they have that? Because mom's breast milk has immune cells, huge immunoglobulins that have to get through those cells right into the bloodstream and not be digested because that way she can pass on her immunity to her baby for the period of time in which those spaces are open. Okay, so until six months, those spaces are going to be open. They could continue to be open if babies. You know, not responding well to the food that you're giving them. If it's breast milk, that, you know, something that you're eating is bothering them and they could be inflammatory to that. Um, you know, I've seen babies come in with like rashes all over because dairy is really bothering them. And so mommy has to take that out of her diet. Um, or if the formula that you're feeding is just really not meshing with baby, and you know, I've seen people go and they make their own and they're doing like goat milk, which is sometimes less um, inflammatory to infants because of the type of proteins lots of different things. But either way, you want to wait to six months. Please wait to six months. And then the other thing is you're going to be adding in one food at a time every three days. What's up with that? Well, it's like a free test, like a free sensitivity test that you can do at home. And you're watching to see what foods that you're introducing if there's any like physical body response. If it's like their skin or maybe their cheeks are getting red or they're getting little bumps in the back of the arm or are they getting a rash? Are they getting sick? Are they getting inflamed? Are they starting to have a runny nose? All the things. Is their mood changing? So you're going to look for any symptoms. And I've, I've even seen some cute diaries out there that you could actually write in. All oh, whatever floats your boat. But you're just going to pay attention to those and you're going to introduce one food at a time which I did find very, very difficult to do with my first. I was like, could not wait to get the next food in. But I just want to say, please, please wait. It'll be very helpful for you um, just to make sure you're not adding something in that your baby is going to respond to in a negative way. The other thing I would say is that you would like, please please wait if you can for, to a year to maybe even if you can two years to introduce dairy or any kind of gluten-containing grains. That may be really hard, especially if you eat a lot of that, but I would just really, really recommend it. Why? because these are things that are in our American diet, they're just in everything, and the chance that you're just your kid's never going to be exposed to that is ridiculous. they are <laughs> they are no matter what you do, and it's important that we don't have an inflammatory response to that so what what occurs well both we'll, if the gaps in their stomach are not fully closed for whatever reason, then we're gonna get um that food's going to go right into their stomach, right to their intestine, right through those spaces and into their bloodstream. And the body can amount an immune response to that and develop antibodies against those foods. And you get an inflammatory response with that. Um, and, you know, this is there's some talk about how that's the precursor for, uh, you know, lactose intolerance, you know, casein intolerance, that is the protein in milk um, gluten intolerance. There's a lot of different stuff, but if we could avoid that, that would be one of the ways that we can do it. And so that could be something that you want to try. Okay. Moving on. When do you start it? Like I'm literally, I'm literally reading something offline and they're telling you when they're able to sit up, when they have trunk control and when they're curious about table food. Yeah, no. Um, you do not want to do that. You want to wait till they're after six months. Please, please, please. Um, Another thing is that they're telling you to make sure that you're giving them breast milk or formula until about 12 months. I, I don't know. I would talk to your doctor about this and I would even just say even further, talk to a functional medicine doctor about this who works with kids. But I really do think that if you are giving formula that there are other ways you could make up those nutrients outside of formula in a different way without having to use, like, cow's milk. And you actually could switch to something that was, say, for example, almond or um, coconut or something that they're not in play- um, making sure they don't have nut, nut, nut allergies. Cause you do want to wait about a year before you introduce nuts. Um, and... I would even just say you could go to one of those milks, but making sure that they're getting iron and um and other proteins, but through like say smoothies if they're gonna if they're drinking that, there isn't really like I don't think there's really any benefit beyond a certain age, I would say even six, seven months to be doing any cow's milk. Um, they're not getting calcium from cow's milk. I'm telling you right now there's not been one study that shows that drinking cow's milk increases calcium there isn't how why is that well first off cows are eating they're not really eating grass and that's where they got their calcium to begin with they have to fortify the milk with calcium and they're using calcium citrate which is basically ground up limestone how well does your body digest and absorb stone let me just tell you not well so it is really important that we're getting leafy greens in, which I love smoothies and purees. Um, you could do a, um, when I say purees, I'm meaning like smoothies, <laughs> uh, not something you have to cook down. But I also think you could probably blend up some spinach and like add some other stuff like applesauce and that could, that could be like technically like an apple, you know, spinach smoothie. So I, I did use that as well. What are some other foods that you can use for baby led weaning? Um, you want them to be soft enough where you can smash it with a piece, a smash piece of it with no more than like gentle pressure between your fingers. And it's kind of squishy, but, but you want them to be able to grasp it or maybe they're old enough and they can actually just use a spoon, but I like the, the grabbing it with their hands. So using like, like cutting carrots in a stick and baking them until they're soft enough to smush, but they're still, you can still grab them. Perfect. And I also found that like if you crinkle cut things, a friend gave me this idea, crinkle cut with a crinkle cutter um, some of the vegetables or fruits, and then they can kind of grab it easier. Let's see, what else? Um, Yeah, white potatoes, butternut squash, um, cooked until soft in long strips, soft, soft cooked veggies which have natural handles like broccoli, carrots, or cauliflower, Thin strips of soft breads, pancakes, or French toast. Again, I would recommend gluten-free. And, like, pancakes are great. You could literally cook up six months worth of pancakes and throw them in the freezer. And then just thaw those or throw them in the toaster or whatever. Super easy. Natural fruits like bananas, mangoes, or melon. And, again, just in a stick. And, you know, there's always going to be, like, chances when they're going to be, like, um, using their gag reflex. Don't immediately freak out, okay? So just give them a second. Don't pack them on the back. Why? It actually can make it go get lodged down their throat. So just sit on your hands. Just look at them for a second. Watch them. Make sure they're okay. Um, normally, kids do that as a normal process of learning how to eat. They're like, oh, this reflex I'm having because I put something big in my mouth. Okay. Uh, I also, just from a, I, like my, my middle son had just like this, he would bite big bites and then he would just kind of gag, and it was just really freaking me out. He was actually, yeah, he, he probably started doing it when he was four. Um, and he would just, like, take these huge bites, and I literally, like, three times in one week, I heard him just being like, because he had something in his mouth. And I was like, dude! And then actually, he even started doing it as a joke, and I, I just couldn't handle it. Um, so I bought this dechoker choker device. I think that's what it's called. They have different ones for different ages, but I bought one that was for, like, zero to three years of age. And um, if you can imagine those medicine-dispersing syringes, it's like a giant one of those, but it has a mouthpiece on the front. And then it like has a, it, you kind of pull the plunger back and it would, it would suck out the food of, in their throat if there was ever a chance that they choked. Um, I have had my son, my oldest and my middle, choke at different times. None of them were from um, baby lead weaning. Usually had to do with just like a larger piece of something and peanut butter was involved I think in most cases. So it was like a piece of bread with peanut butter on it. It took a big bite, kind of got stuck there for a second. I didn't have to do a finger sweep. Eventually I just, you know, tipped them over and pat them on the back. It's freaky. So I do like the dechoker. choker I just keep it in my diaper bag. I've never had to use it. Um, But it's just a security blanket for me. You know, wherever I go, that bag comes with me. So if another mom needs it, I also have it. So it makes me feel good to have that there. Anyways, if you're feeling like you need it, get one. It's great. What else? A couple of things about choking. Is baby led weaning safe? And it's understandable to have that fear, it's not as serious of risk as many parents fear with baby led weaning related to any other food type. It's really not. Um, but the couple things you should consider, never leave baby alone when you're eating, when you're in the car, don't give baby food. <laughs> you just honestly, yeah. Um, I've broken that rule and I do, I don't have any baby that's rear facing and I can't see them actually with any food. But if a kid is forward facing, I do feed them in the car. It's just what I'm doing. So, yeah. Avoid circle foods like grapes, hot dogs, or blueberries. Those ones are the number one cause of choking. Um, As well as raw vegetables in any size or shape. Hmm. So, raw. I do not recommend them for babies. Um, Particularly sticky foods like butters or hand fruits like apples are best avoided. Yeah, like with apples, you're not going to give your baby a chunk of an apple, they'll break that off really easily. It doesn't take much, and it's this giant chunk in their mouth. What I did do, however, is I would give them, I would peel an apple, and you have to peel it, because if they bite a chunk of the peel, it can be this huge bite. I would give, I would peel an apple, and I would give it to them, and it's just like a carrot. They kind of like gnaw at it, but then it's kind of wasteful, or I'd have to like chop it up and eat it, so I don't know. Use, <laughs> use it as your own risk. Know um, the difference between choking and gagging. That's huge. Yep, they're gonna gag. So the baby gags quite a bit. And it's completely normal to have um normal response to food traveling too far to the back of their throat. Um, so yeah, so know the difference. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, well, you want to make sure you're starting one food at a time. Um, slow it down, give them plenty of time to do that. And give them different foods. And also if you want to do, you know, spoon feeding purees in addition, that's totally fine. There's no rules. It's just that like baby-led weaning is the coolest thing because it is lazy. It really is. It is so convenient. I did not find my baby um like feeding my baby to be stressful, really. And they eat they basically eat everything. And I think that that has a huge part to, bit, to play. I think it could be the n- number one thing that gets your kids to experiment. Like it's huge. Embrace the mess, ma- ladies. It's gonna, it's gonna be a huge mess. I even recommend like the like the smocks. It's basically like a whole shirt that goes on them or just take their clothes off, whatever. But it was like a huge, it's like a whole shirt. <laughs> it has like their whole arm, the whole thing. It's great. So that they eat and then you're done and you just take it off and you rinse it off it's great. So that's, that's what I say about baby led weaning. Um, some couple things to consider, you know, obviously we talked about how we don't want to be having our kids finish the food on our plate. I have my two oldest, like one of them, um, has a undiagnosed neuromuscular condition, which means that, um, We have muscle tone issues and then we don't have a lot of body fat at all. And so really it's super important that he eat a lot and eat more. And there are certain conversations you have around food that I would not recommend for other kids. It's just the way it is. There's no way of getting around it with him. He wakes up in the morning and is not hungry. Probably wouldn't touch food until like 11 if he had a choice. But he has to go to school and we have to eat breakfast, like we just do. He'll eat a lot at dinner time, but we just we need to keep all the tissue on his body that we have, and we need to add some. So it's this conversation of like, yeah, we parent, we gotta parent you differently, and we have different rules for you than we have with your brother. And I know that's really hard, and sometimes that's really frustrating. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you're fr- you're mad. You don't want to finish any more of your breakfast. But what do we talk about with your doctor? Yep. Yeah, we do need to add more um we need to add more more tissue on your body we need to get like some fat and some some more muscle so how do we do that it comes from our food yeah absolutely so we need to eat more than our brother because he doesn't need to do that right now but we do and when when you don't need to do that anymore then absolutely we want to listen to your body more and we want to think oh i don't feel hungry so i don't need to eat But we need to add more. So we're going to eat a few more bites, please. Thank you. And so it's just not the kind of conversation I like having. It's not, it goes against my, the grain of what I would normally say. And it's stressful. But at the end of the day, like, again, it's not like, oh, this is how it is. But it's just, this is for a season. I don't know how long that season will be. We really don't. But it is what it is now. And there are some of you that have to have these kind of conversations. It's just... Let's be honest, let's be kind, and let's be empathetic about how that might be difficult. With my other son, it's very different. You know, I'm able to say, um, he's like, I'm done, I'm full. And I'm like, okay, so you're no longer hungry. All right. But when um, when you are, feel free to come back and finish what you have. And maybe I maybe it's not one of those times maybe I will just finish that if I'm hungry for that, right? Um, or or yeah, he doesn't depending on we just, we just don't waste food in our house, but we don't waste it in a way that's like kind to everyone, if that makes sense. Um, and I really don't have issues, like my kids don't fight about that stuff, really. so it's not it's not a big, big problem. One thing that has been really helpful, um, my, my middle kiddo is, you know, he wakes up in the morning, he's exhausted, he's super hungry, freaking hungry. Like I have kept smoothie packets or, you know, like the, the like puree packets, like upstairs in his bedroom. So he wakes up and I'm just like food in his mouth. And when he's little, he'd even scream for like mango in the middle of the night. It was so exhausting. And until you got food in him, he was just very crabby, screaming, whining, just will. And honestly, it's not much different now. So, um, so helping him get that blood sugar back up to normal through this fast that he's had at night has been huge. So it's like, buddy, I'm not even going to talk to you until we can have something to eat. What do you want? And it's like, comes something out of fruit, whatever. And so like, it's high priority. Like, um, we use IFS, which is another thing we can talk about, but it's like talks about parts of yourself or like the, um, what is the acronym for, um, internal family systems. It just talks about how there's different personalities or parts of us. I'm like, some part of you is really hungry right now. Let's talk to that part and be like, Hey, can we take a breath? And I promise I will feed you. (laughs) So it's like he can talk to himself and like parent himself. And he's acknowledging that a part of him is really hungry. And a part of him really wants to do something else. And it's like this turmoil inside. (laughs) And so it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And then it's like, he doesn't feel like he's judged by being stressed or like shamed. He's just like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, part of you is really hungry. Let's tell that part to just like, so he's just like, yeah okay, Brooks, like, chill out, like, take a breath. And he's, like, telling himself, but it feels good to him. So I do use that. And that should be another podcast in itself, but we'll do that another day. Um, but we get we get breakfast into him as soon as we can, and he seems to calm down much better. And um, another thing that we've had issues with is, like, he'll wake up, and he just like, I don't know what it is, but he's like, I want chocolate. And and you know, one of the things we do is we don't want to, um, judge that. And so we kind of play along in that fantasy of waking up and eating candy for breakfast. And he'll, I mean, I swear, it's like literally been every, every day. I went, mom, I want chocolate. And I'm like, that sounds so yummy. Oh my goodness. I would love... Now he's like caught on. So right about this point, he'd be like, "Ah, oh, I really want it. because Because he knows I'm not going to say yes, but I'm also not saying no in a mean way. So I'll be like, yeah, I really love to have chocolate for breakfast. I'm like, what would be your favorite breakfast? So now we're like on this little investigative, you know, thing together. And while I'm making and giving him his actual snack right away, or he is. I don't know. He usually gets... I have like a whole bowl on my counter where, where it's like, this is all the fruit. You guys can grab us at any point. You don't have to ask. Like giving them some autonomy. That's another thing. But anyways. But I'm like giving... him. I'm getting ready. He's just like, you're going to say no. So I'm already starting... He's already starting to yell back at me. He's like, I really want it. I'm like, what would you like to have? And then he kind of gets caught up in this conversation with me about, oh, I would love pancakes with wa- and waffles with chocolate syrup and i'm like oh that sounds so good we should have that sometime because again nothing is like a no well I, i would say that's not true certain things are an absolute no but it doesn't mean that we can't take a vacation meal this is what we call it we call it a vacation meal because we can't have a vacation every day but it doesn't mean that we can't have fun with fun foods right So Saturday morning, pancakes with and we have a we have our own version. It's really healthy and extremely tasty. Like I promise you, they're amazing. And anyone we have that doesn't eat this way also loves them. And they're so good. So we can have pancakes, yeah, with syrup. And we even use butter and we have we even do a fruit compote on the side, or we'll sometimes make whipped cream. Great. Or coconut whip or whatever. And it's just so good. But that's not today. So today is, you know, we're going to have coconut yogurt with fruit and crunchies, which is basically granola. So, yum. Yeah. And he may not want that. But oh, I know, bud, it's so hard. So you're you're talking back to him. I know it's so hard when we can't have chocolate for breakfast. Oh, I wish I could have chocolate for breakfast. But that would make my tummy, like, probably not very happy. And then I would just want sugar all day if I started off with sugar. So, Maybe we should start off with a banana. And then eventually, and you know, sometimes he's still pushing back. This is what one thing I found. This is like a parenting hack for like all things. I am a high level, like I high level communicate. Like I like to communicate. I like to talk. I like to say lots of things to my kids. I like to explain things. When it comes to parenting where you're saying no to something and, you've, and they know the rule or like you, they know it, you just don't need to communicate anymore. You can just say, sorry, buddy. Like once you've said the no and you're like, yeah, I know it's really hard. Yeah. I am not going to talk about this anymore. So, and I use a visual. So I'll I'll like, this is what I do, but I'll just, I'll I'll give them a visual of like, I'm zipping my mouth shut and I'm like, okay, so when I do this, I'm not going to talk about it any longer. And if you ask me again, I'm pointing to my mouth. But if you continue to ask over and over, we may need to take some time to have some alone time so we can calm down. So, like I just make a visual with my mouth like I'm like I'm zipping my mouth shut and and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. So now he's losing the control here. Or should like power. So like basically he'll his mindset this is how my kids work. Maybe I can't get mom to say yes, but I'll take the power if I can get it. So you communicating to them and they're controlling your constant rehashing the same thing is a bit about a power struggle. So just take that off the table. They'll get bored with the conversation. They'll realize you're not gonna change your mind and it just makes it more happy for everyone. So that's one thing I've done and I'm like, I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. So this is is done. And once they realize that and sometimes even just ignoring when they are going over the top and later on you can bring that up and be like, okay. So remember when we, you know, had that time when you were really struggling, you're really upset about the, you know, the chocolate. Um, so he's like, yeah. And I was like, you're really, you know, you were really frustrated, weren't you? Yeah. And it was hard when mom, you know, was saying no to you because it's so fun to have chocolate. But, and then just is, this is this what you're, you know, you're educating them this one little piece. That, mommy doesn't want you to have chocolate in the morning because it can really hurt your tummy. And my job is to keep you safe. And so that's why we're not going to have chocolate for breakfast. Okay, not today. And and I just want you to know that I love you and that's why I do that. And so you're reprogramming and you're programming him why, you know, that's what it is. And um, if he wants to talk about it more, great. But you're just waiting till it's a different time and you're just saying no and you're not going to engage that. So that's one of the ways that we deal with food related struggles. Um, because we do have I mean he he's he does have that does have a pretty extreme reaction to um, you know, wanting certain things and not getting it and how he responds. So it's not like this has been simple in all of its facets. Like it can be really challenging. But I do really think it's important to make this an area that you focus on and that is in that is a part of your family culture because their relationship with food is going to change um their life in such an important way i mean we make 200 they they found that 200 decisions on food every single day right we have to eat every day we have to eat so much and it can either nourish our bodies or it can poison our bodies it can be deficient of nutrients it can be so many things but how we educate them is really going to make a huge difference in their lives. Um, you know, some parents are really hyper-focused on um, educating their kids when it comes to how to handle money, and I think that's amazing. And I, you know, wish I would have had more of that, and I would love to do that more for my kids. But this one area about health that I do know about and I am teaching my kids can easily bankrupt them if they didn't know, much greater than so many other things. Like um, we do know that health issues are so expensive. And even with insurance, I believe it is said that one third of all people who are bankrupt are bankrupt from um, medical uh, bills. And it's such a huge issue. And it's not like if you try to be healthy that you'll never have that, but you can at least set them up for success and um, do the best you can to give them a best head start when it comes to how they eat and how they think and how they move and their relationship with movement. And so this is just part of that conversation, right? There is, um, so much fun that can be had around meals and encouraging your kids to, um, make food with you. So the next part of this conversation in the last part, um, there's this book that I have been introduced to and it's called Hunter Gather Parent. And it, um, talks about how d- different hunter-gatherer uh, uh, cultures in the world address basically all-house chores or all-house-like um, uh, things. So we parent our kids, you know, like for me, typically a dinner would be like, okay, I want you to go do this. I'm going to make dinner. So I'm in one room, they're in another, you know, depending on how the house is all um, laid out. But what they talk about is that when the family goes to make dinner, it's, all right, we're going to make dinner now. And so they make dinner as a family. They make snack as a family. So including your kids in the process of making is super impactful to their to their want and desire to eat whatever it is that you're making. One study I read um, talked about how when kids helped prepare a salad. They ate 70% more of that salad if they had helped prepare it than if they didn't. And that's huge. My kids eat salads and we do usually get like a pre-made salad mix and then I add a bunch more lettuce and then sometimes I take out some of the things that are in there. It is my one way of just not having to think and adding more grains in. Um, But I would like to you know, learn how to do more different types of salads and dressings and things like that. I've gotten good at it at times and then not great at others. Um, but we do eat salads quite a bit. We just add a protein. Like we do a lot of chicken nuggets, make our own um, nuggets. And it's super easy, actually. It's one of my favorite things. And we'll add that to the salad or we will do like I'll do a huge batch of meatballs. I'll do like four bags of them and we'll throw those on the salad. So the kids do eat that. Sometimes they need a little bit of coaxing in the beginning, but if they know what we're having and they can kind of like mentally prepare that it's not going to be pizza, right? So even just having a calendar with something on that could be helpful for you, especially if you have older kids. But just thinking ahead and just trying to figure out what works for your family. Now, when it comes to getting your kids with you in the kitchen, there are some things that can make this easier, and it doesn't have to be every day. I mean, honestly this can be really stressful if it's not set up right. Or if the kids are just having a tough time, like two different scenarios. Here you go. You are making, I did this recently. So banana pancakes and you know, one kid is smashing the bananas with a smasher and they're fighting over who gets to smash. So then you're going to go, okay, youngest to oldest go. So then the youngest starts smashing then the middle, then the oldest. And maybe you have them, like I have a, a like a kitchen helper stand and the baby stands in that. And then the other two have like stools and they love to put on their aprons and their, and their chef hats, which they have. It's like this whole thing. So they, they do that as well. And I have these like plastic, um, knives that they use to chop up bananas. And if they really push hard enough, maybe a carrot. And I, I have seen friends use this crickle cutter for the kids. And, um, I do want to get one of those as well, but, you know, kids just love different shapes of things. So if you can give them that, it's like they'll try something new. So you can get that as well, but you have them chop something up. And this works really well for snacks especially. You can have one kid, you know, they can be cutting up their own bananas. Like today we did um, – I did a yogurt. So a coconut – no, this is an almond almond yogurt, yeah. And then I was like well, – what I had – pears and bananas that were just easily accessible so I said okay you guys cut up your own banana and pear for the baby I cut it I cut it lengthwise first so that when he chopped it up it would be smaller and then after he was done I chopped it up myself but then they they put it in their bowl and then they put the um, crunchies on their salad and I gave them some chia seeds dump in there too so You don't have to, like, give them the whole container and the scoop and, like, let them go to town. You could just put it in a pre-made container and just slide it over and they can dump it in themselves. Like, there are ways to do this. But that way they're, like, invested in the process of making it and they can stir it up or, yeah, you just kind of let them play in a way and then they get to eat it and it's this fun thing. So that's, you know, I feel like sometimes we get kind of, caught up in doing things for our kids if we just stop a second and slow down and be like what can they do and I, I've always loved watching other parents who are good at this and being like oh <laughs> your kid is two years older than mine and they're doing this thing and mine hasn't even touched that as an opportunity yeah I need to like encourage them or maybe not get in the way of them learning how to do that so I love how that can sometimes happen organically Um, But when it comes to like really making a, like a meal, that can be a little challenging. First, I would say, make sure that it's safe. If you're, if you're like um, frying something, let's not do that with the kids, you know, let's not. Um, That's just not safe. But if we are, I mean, kids can be like, I've seen three-year-olds make their own eggs from scratch. It can be done. Um, But it's just, you got to teach them how to function around things you have to make it safe for them and you have to work with them. Um so these things are kind of crazy but they are doable if you can teach your kids how to do that. But first thing, get all the ingredients out of the fridge or the pantry first and put them all out there so that you're not constantly going back and forth from the recipe to that. And don't do any new recipes with your kids unless they're older and you're like really prepared, but like for my 6 and my 4 and my 2, I can't do that. Like, I am, I'll have like, I'll be deep breathing (laughs) within like a couple minutes, and I'm just too stressed. So, I just don't, when it comes to like a new thing, or if I'm really stressed on the wire to like get dinner on the table, I won't do that. But I will assign, like, hey, go fetch the, the plates, or hey, go fetch the silverware. And I'm learning that, like, this is part of like dinner. Like, we need to do this as family. And, and one of the things I'll do if they're like resistant, I'll be like, "Now, how do we do this? Does mommy make everything and do all of it, or do we do this as a family?" And they're like, "Yeah, we do this as a family." They always answer correctly. I'm like, "Okay, so then should I have to get everything myself, or should you, or should we all work together as a team?" And they're like, "Okay, when well, what would you like to do? How would you like to help?" And so that line of questioning can sometimes like get those older ones to think about that a little bit bit, and do that. But it's really just taste consistency. Um, The book recommends like saying, go fetch this or go fetch. Can you fetch me this? Just kind of get them started into that. And little kids love that. I mean, my gosh, my two-year-old would do everything with me and for me. He loves it. and I even have seen a TV series watching like two or three-year-olds, like they, they record them and they follow them around like, doing these activities or, like, running errands for the family. I'm not saying you should have your kid do that. That's that to be terrible. But I think that they're capable of a lot more than than we're, you know, letting them do. So, so, yeah, like, encouraging them to get in the process of making food with you. And it can be something that you enjoy and a huge part of their memories. And make it fun. Um, yeah. So I hope that helped you today. I hope that helped to just kind of... Think about um, how to talk to your kids about food and what will set them up for success and that this is really an important area to focus on and I hope that this helps. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast today. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. And if you have any questions about podcasts today, please email me at dr.mollybird at gmail.com. And I'd love to get those questions answered. Thank you again and have a fabulous day.